0: amen amen well let's pray again (laughs) father thank you for the word of god that's going to be enriching our lives right now we thank you for it in jesus name amen Amen. so as we have just seen the children and youth get promoted in their grades to the next level we as adults have a have a, a, a teaching that we have to go through have lessons that we have to go through in in life and the bible says that the lord promotes us according as he will And let's look at this one scripture in Psalms 75, verse 6 through 7. For promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Do you notice that there's one direction that's not mentioned there? We don't have a north. Why is that? Because the promotion is north is the Lord, right? comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but it comes from the north, comes from the Lord. But God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. Isn't that You know, you're tested in this life to see, you know, how you will perform, how you work and minister the Word of God, how you handle adversities. How you, are you long-suffering enough? Are you, are you uh, continuing to, to work in the, in, the, in the labor of the Lord, even though when things aren't going right? Even when people offend you, how many have you? Ever, how many have ever been offended in church? Anybody? Uh, I, I see a couple. Yes, you. The other, the other people haven't been in church for long enough. Then. <laughs> they. Someone said they should put a sign in front of the church. That says, "Enter in at your own risk," because you know. Pastors included sometimes they say stuff that offend you, that rub you the wrong way, you may be sailing along, everything's going fine and somebody next to you will say something you know very obtrusive and obnoxious to you and just mess up your whole you know spiritual steadiness. but God can study us. And God. you have to look to God to see if He'll keep you in the right place. That's who we depend on. Praise God. So as adults, we have our own education and promotional system from the, from the Lord. The Bible says, and the next scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to be approved of God. That means we have lessons. lessons. We have things that we have to uh, prove. And the, and the word Prove there. Approve means to declare, to show, to prove what kind of person someone is. See what you're made of. Uh, there was one minister that said that the Lord had shown him that he was going to minister to uh nation, the nations and thousands of people, but yet it wasn't happening. So he asked the Lord, why am I not being promoted? Why do I not see the thousands? And he said, because of your temper, your anger. I can't let you be on TV or you know being filmed and you're going off on the cameraman, getting upset at everybody, punching people or anything. You, we, we need to get you calmed down so that you can be presented, approved, declared, and and be able to be shown. And and so God has to test us. Amen? Not test us to see us fail, but prove us to see if we're going to succeed. The Bible says God proved Abraham to see if he was going to sacrifice his son. He knew that he was going to do it, but he has to set up the parameters so that God uh, could come in and say, you don't have to do it. You don't have to sacrifice your son. But it was an example of how God was going to give his only begotten son on the same mountain that Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. God sacrificed his son Jesus. Wow. do you see the the correlation? God needed that to prove so that he could do uh, what he was going to do with his son so God is using you and I, I'm here to testify I've been through it uh, you know I didn't just get here I just didn't like walk up here all of a sudden now I can preach I had to serve other pastors for many many years at least 18 years plus another five years before I was able even to get a church and we've had even to get into this place we had God had to see, am I going to preach the Word of God regardless of what's happening? And we were in a community center for 12 years, and I didn't budge. I didn't say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I said, Lord, I'm doing it as unto you and not unto men. And so that was my desire to do, and God rewarded us and blessed us, and so that's what we have to do. God wants to see what your desire is. Do you, do you desire the Lord, and, and do you have the ability to overcome adversities? And, you know, a lot of pastors fall out, they give up. A lot of parishioners, uh, congregation fall out, give up on God. God didn't do it the right way. I'm giving up. I forget about it. No, you keep going on. And we're going to show some examples here of how Joseph had to keep going on, Moses had to keep going on, David had to keep going on, and and, and we have to keep on going on, right? Now look at Acts 2.22 up there on the screen. It says, men of Israel, because Jesus had to be approved. Did you know that? He had to go through a testing and a trial. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved by God. Isn't that something? He had to prove himself. He had to submit himself to his mother and his father. He had to learn about the Bible. Approved by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. So you might say, well, how did God, how did Jesus have to approve himself? The next scripture tells us right here. He humbled himself. Oh, my Lord, nobody wants to be humble, do they? I Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I'm here. I'm the Savior of the world, okay? <laughs> Bow down. Kiss my ring. No. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. That's pretty obedient, isn't it? A lot of people, you know, the pastor will him them to do something or somebody will ask them to do something. Or the Lord will ask them to do something. No, Lord, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to be nice to that person. I don't want to buy that person a gift. I don't want to be kind to that person, right? Be obedient to death, death of yourself, death of your emotions and your feelings, right? We have to love one another whether we feel like it or not. We have to come to church whether someone has offended us or not. Even to the death, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So Jesus had to go through it. We have to go through it. Don't think it's strange, these fiery trials that you're going through. A lot of us are going through health issues. We just have to keep believing God that he's going to bring us through. Praise the Lord. Now, God wants to know what kind of person you are. Let's look at an example of a guy named Joseph. Remember Joseph? God came to him and gave him a vision of how he was going to, uh, his father and his mother and his brothers were going to bow down before him. He was going to be a ruler, and he had this great vision. And so he went and foolishly told his brothers who didn't like him anyway. You ever share good news with somebody that doesn't like you (laughs) or can't get into what you're doing? They're not going to receive. They're going to downplay it and make you feel, you know, small. But uh, let's look at this. Slide. The slide says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Wait a minute. I thought I was going to be like uh, people were going to bow down before me, my brothers and my father and my mother, but he immediately was sold as a slave. This doesn't seem right, does it? They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tried tested or refined him. To me, this I saw that. go. I went, Whoa! The Lord gave him a vision, but yet he had to go through the trial and the testing and the proving to get to the point where he's able to be humbled enough to be able to receive what the Lord had for him. Have we all been humbled before? Some, somebody said, I, I need to see, uh, I don't trust a man that doesn't have a limp. Remember, Jacob had to wrestle with God and he had a limp to hit his hip socket. Some of us, we get you know, things come our way, pain, misfortune, things like that. We have to fight through it and say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting through you. And when you do that, the Lord shines through you and talks and ministers to people. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You know, you, no one lives a, a perfect unscathed life where no, no, no scratches, no bruises, no anything. You, you, you come by and you're just, you know, beaten up like everybody else. And you're able to minister because you can say, God was with me and he'll help you too. Praise yeah. God. So uh, he had these dreams. He spouted off to his brothers. They didn't like him anyway, and they didn't take too kindly to him. I, I told Pastor Charlie, he's kind of rubbing off on of me. That's kind of like a southern, you know. <laughs> didn't take too kindly to him. They th- <laughs> but the Bible says the Lord was with him. Amen? Even in his adversity, the Lord was with him and prospered him, and whatever he put his hands to prospered. He could have been all downtrodden. Oh, you know what? I don't know what. I had that vision. I knew this was, I thought this was going to happen. It's not happening, so I've given up on this God thing. We know there's a lot of people that are not here at church that are at home that have given up on that God thing. They they, they didn't forbear. They didn't go through. They didn't continue in the things of the Lord. Can I get an amen? So then he was doing good, and then uh, with Potiphar, then Potiphar's wife said, I like that boy. And so she tried to scheme and try to get him you know, into a compromising situation, and he ran. Hey, can I hear that again? He ran from it. He didn't see how close a guy can get before uh, being tempted. He said, I ran from this woman, because of, she probably was tempting. Amen? She's probably a good-looking girl. <laughs> you don't sit and talk. Well, have coffee, and let's, let's discuss the thing. No, I ran, Right? And so Potiphar, uh, she lied to, to her, her husband, Potiphar, and he said, I'm sending you to jail. Yes. And so he went to jail. So now it's getting worse. First he was a slave. Now he's in jail. And did he give up? No. He continued to work and minister the, with the gifts God has given him. He interpreted dreams. He helped people. And so there was a butler and a baker that was there. They got thrown in jail. I don't know. I guess they had a bad meal or something. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what happened. You ever have a bad meal the next day? I mean, you feel like, ooh, I don't, some, did I eat something wrong? <laughs> Something's wrong. Well, the king, they, they, uh, jail time for you. So they're there in jail, and uh, they look sad, and Joseph said, What's, why are you so sad? Why is your face so down? And they told him the dream, and he said, oh, I can interpret that dream for you. So he told him, and one of them was going to die, one of them was going to be restored back into the palace. And so Joseph said, by the way, when you go up there, remember me that I can interpret. Put in a good word for me for Potiphar, okay? He said, okay, will do. He got up there and he forgot all about it. Anybody ever disappoint you? He said, I'll, probably, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll take care of you, man. Just apply for this job. I'll take care of you. Everything's going to be all right. And then they bail out. And yeah, all the time, right? <laughs> can I get a witness right there? Amen. <laughs> so after two, but you know what I think happened? It took two years before he finally, the light went on because Potiphar, uh, the Pharaoh had a dream and the guy said, the butler said, you know what? I know this guy in prison, he can interpret dreams. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, oh, that, was, when was, that was two years ago. But I think That the Lord withheld him from remembering or mentioning anything to the proper time. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you when? In due time. Not when you want it, in due time. And this patience, it just takes, doesn't patience just take forever? (laughs) I want it, I want it now, right? I remember this pastor, he was at the dinner table with his uh, family, with his kids, and uh, he had two girls, and they said, "He said, they said, Dad, we want a bike." And he said, "Well, let's pray and ask the Lord to give you a bike." And they just were so disappointed. <laughs> what, what? What are you disappointed about? It, it just takes so long when you have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you relate to that? Yeah. Amen. So, okay, so, so, so they call. They bring up Joseph, who is being tested, proven how many years do you think it was from the dream to where he got promoted? 13 years. That's a long time. Amen? How long have you been waiting for your dream to come true? A long time. How long have you been waiting for your family, waiting for healing in your bodies? So anyway, they got him all cleaned up, shaven and everything, and brought him to the the Pharaoh. He interpreted the dream. He said, you're going to have seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. He said, during the Plenty of years, save up one fifth of the grain. That way, you'll have some to sell to the other nations, and you'll be rich. <laughs> and then, when the when the famine comes, everybody will want to come and buy the grain. And the Pharaoh said, "That is a great idea. Who can we get to administrate this great plan?" And there was silence. If it was jo- the old Joseph, Joseph would have said, "Ooh, ooh, 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 ooh! You know, let me. Th- I had a dream." A long time ago, 13 years ago, where I was going to be in control and and my father and my mother were going to bow down, I've been doing administrative work at Potiphar's house, at the prison, whatever. I put my hands, he didn't say a word. Why? He let the Lord promote him. He let the Lord lift him up. And so Pharaoh said, you know what? You came up with the idea. We're going to make you in charge. So there was a difference in his personality, in his humbleness, to say, Lord, I'm submitting myself unto you. How many of you know that's what we have to do? I submit myself to you, Lord. I give you my life. I let you direct me. The steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. A man's, ways, plans, a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Amen? Do you think the Lord has forgotten us, that he's turned his back on us, that he's forgotten that he created us, the plan that he has for us, that He written down for us, for all of our lives, that he, like, abandoned it? no. We abandon it sometimes, and we throw out the playbook, but God says, stick to the playbook. Stick to what I've called you to do. Stick with what are the things that I've I've called you, and we're going to talk about that. But same thing with Moses. Moses was in uh, Pharaoh's house, and he saw his fellow countrymen, a Hebrew, being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went there and killed him. Moses is a bad dude, huh? (laughs) With his bare hands. I don't know how he did that. Uh, and so they found out that he had killed him, And they said, are you going to kill us too? When he came and talked to his other Hebrew brothers. And so he fled and he went to the backside of the mountain for 40 years. Oh, come on, talk to me. 40 years is a long time. And he wondered, why didn't they recognize uh, who I am? That I was sent to be a deliverer for the Egyptians, uh, from the Egyptians. And so then when the Lord finally called him on the, the burning bush... He said, I want you to deliver my people from the Egyptians, my Hebrew people. And the Moses, who got humbled, now he says, who am I, Lord, that you would choose me? You see the difference? He went from, don't you know who I am, to who am I? Is that, that's the, the transition that we have to take. We can't think that we're all this, we're all that, in a bag of chips. We have to realize it's the Lord. I give myself to the Lord. It's His talents that He put in me, His way that He's given me to do the things that I'm supposed to do. It's not me anymore. Amen? It's Him working through me. Praise God. So you say, well, what is my purpose? Anybody have that question? What is my purpose here in life? That's the number one question people ask about, if they could ask the Lord a question. What is, the, what is your will for my life? So let's go to that um, slide that says uh, the four questions that you have to ask yourself to find out what your purpose is. Okay, let's go to the uh, up a little bit, Rosie. Well, I guess we'll, since we're here, what do you love? Here's the four questions that you have to ask yourself: What do you love? What do you hate? What makes you cry? And what annoys you? <laughs> Those are pretty easy uh, questions to answer, right? Well, let's look at this. What do you love? What do you love reveals the gift that's on the inside of you already. God has put it in you to love something. And when you love something, you put your whole heart into it. You study. You learn. You want to know more. You go to seminars. You go to, uh, uh, you know, on the Internet. You want to you talk to people. You want to know how do you do this. I know musicians, they spend hours and hours practicing. Right, Brother Tony? Right? Ethan? Marlene? Right? You practice, right? How, how many hours a day did you have to practice to learn how to do that piano? Sometimes more than four to five hours. Four, four to five hours. I got up there, I tried to play, it. it didn't work, I gave up. In fact, I tried every instrument. I tried the guitar, my fingers like, didn't work. Piano, they weren't long enough. The drums, you know, I just couldn't get it. So I said, that is not my gift. Because if I loved it, now, when you first played, did everything just go smooth, just like perfect? No. No. But you loved it, right? So you wanted to do more. You kept practicing. I got to get this. I got to get this. So what you love is the gift that God has put in you. But you still have to develop it and work on it. Amen? So um, now, now, uh, when you love something, you work night and day to, to do it. Now, sometimes you might love something, but it's not really your gift like if you like to cook and bake and nobody else likes your cooking and baking, that may not be your gift, okay? You volunteer, I'll bake a cake. No, that's okay, we, we got enough. It's, it's all right. You may like to sing, but people say, no, that's okay. I, mm. I know there's one pastor I won't mention his name, but when he sings, oh my, God brings down the house. Not in a good way. <laughs> and so you have to be careful that your gift, uh, you know, is... Uh... Some people like to fix things. Like Pastor Charlie, he, he likes to fix things. He, he, if something's wrong in the, in the church, he wants to fix it. He wants to make sure it gets taken care of, right? Some people like numbers, like to work with numbers. Give me numbers. I, want, I like to make them balance you're like that, right, Sally? You like numbers. You're like that, numbers? No. Definitely not your, your gifting, right? Some people like, I found this about Bindi, she likes paper. Paper? What do you mean paper? I like to bundle it up. I like to send it. I like to straighten it out. I like to organize it. Okay, that's your gifting. Praise God. So what you love is what you'll do. We'll spend hours you know, I, I like to, to minister healing. I, I love to see people healed. So I would go to seminars. I read books. I look on the Internet. I talk to people. I want to know all about healing. Praise God. So what do you hate? What do you hate? That's, that means that it's, you've been called of God to correct it if you hate something. God wants you to make a difference in this life, to right the wrong that you see, Great men of God became great because they hated things. Martin Luther King hated racial inequality, so he worked very hard to correct it. What did he say? I have a dream. Where was that dream put in? Who, who put that dream in him? The Lord. I have a dream where people are not judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. I have a dream where young boys and girls can hold hands together. All all generations, all um, racial types of people. So what you hate, I hate to see this, you know. Uh, I was telling Marianne about this. Ever since we've been married for 35 years, hallelujah. Yeah. Don't clap, you know why? We're supposed to be married for forever, okay? <laughs> That's no big accomplishment. We're supposed to be married, okay? I just... I thought I threw that, throw that out. Aww. Ten years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, no. We're married for life. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a life sentence, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know my wife sometimes. Early on, she, she'd get upset at me. she goes, "Well, maybe you'll be good to your next wife." I go, "No, you are my next wife, okay? This is the last stop right here, whatever it takes. We're going to be together. Some of you that don't know me, uh, haven't heard me before, but when we were younger and uh, she would get an argument, she'd want to get in the car and leave. And <laughs> She'd get in the car and I'd hop in the other, the other side of the, the car and i go, where are we going? <laughs> she goes, I'm leaving. I go, I'm going with you. She said, no, you're not. So after a while, I could kind of tell when she was getting to that, that point where she was going to leave. <laughs> and so she'd get up, upstairs and start packing and getting things ready, you know, a little, little night, night case. And so I'd go to the car, and I heard this. I'm not, not very mechanical, but I heard if you pull the distrib- distributor cap off, they can't start the car. <laughs> so I just sit on the couch, and you know, she'd come down, and I go, OK, babe, I'll see you later. She get out in the car. She cut back in, she says, It won't start. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Let's let's sit down and talk about it, okay? (laughs) But anyway I the Bible says the Lord hates divorce. Right? So it's our job to work it out. But in our thirty-five years of marriage, I found out that my wife doesn't like to watch movies where people are drowning, where they're underwater and they can't get out, they can't escape. And I never understood. Now, I have a theory on this. She doesn't necessarily agree with it, but I'll put it out to all of you, and you see what you think, you know. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll be married another, you know, 35 years. Hallelujah. But, you know, she doesn't like to watch people, you know, trying to surface or, you know, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> she will leave the room. It's not like she doesn't want to. I'll leave. The, I said, "Well, what about Titanic?" She said, "No, I'll leave the room. I'll go to that point and then leave." Okay. So then I was thinking. I was preparing this. I go. My wife was a lifeguard. She helped people get saved that were drowning. Of course, she doesn't want to see people drowning. That's because that was she hates it because she she's, was created to fix it to save people. So whatever you hate, that's what you're called to fix. Pretty easy, right? Okay. What makes you cry? What you have been hurt about most reveals what you can heal someone with. The very hurt that you've been hurt with, you want to heal and help someone else. It gives you the motivation to fight for a cause. And one of the cases I was studying, this one lady lost her daughter, her 13-year-old daughter, from a drunk driver who just came into the sidewalk and killed her. Drove up on the sidewalk and she died. So she... You know, of course, grieved for a while, but then she decided to take action and start an organization called MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yes. They are they have offices in every state in the nation. They have reduced the amount of drunk drivers 50% from the time that the accident of her daughter happened in 1980. Now there's only half the amount of drunk drivers that are that kill people. And They instituted this term, I'm sure you've heard about it, a designated driver. They're the ones that came up with that and popularized it. Get a designated driver. They make awareness of things that are happening. So she took that hurt that she had and ministered to others so that she can minister to others. Isn't that amazing? And then there's one guy, other guy that I study all the time, John G. Lake. He was a master of healing. He studied healing. Why? Because in his family... He had, let me see how many children he had. He had 16 siblings. Eight of them died prematurely, eight out of 16. Can you imagine eight of your brothers and sisters dying? And then he got married and his wife was dying. He said, wait a minute, enough is enough. I'm going to learn about divine healing. So he studied and meditated and, and sought the Lord. And so he got so good at it. He uh, set up offices in Spokane, Washington, and had what they call healing rooms, where people would come in, and they would stay there until they got healed, whether it took a day, a week, or a month. And he healed just about everybody in town. It was deemed the most healthiest city in the United States. So much to the fact, they closed two hospitals down because they couldn't find any more sick people. (laughs) That's pretty impressive, isn't it? He could have wallowed in his misery and said, you know, I just don't know why the Lord's taken these people. But no, he found a way to find the Lord's healing and minister it to others. Praise God. And then the final question is, what annoys you? <laughs> you might say everything. No. <laughs> what annoys you means something that you're called to fix. That's your purpose. A mechanic doesn't like to see car problems. A doctor doesn't like to see people have health problems. I don't like to see people that are not feeling well, not well, in their bodies, I hate to see maladies. I hate to see hate to see people that are bowed down. Hate to see them. They have deformities in their bodies. It just makes me mad. I get annoyed at it. I want the Lord to heal them, and so I work work to to do that. We are talking to Loopy. We prayed for her a couple of weeks ago about her back, and she got healed. And then the Lord, the devil started creeping in, trying to get into her sciatic again. I go, Let's go pray. Let's not wait to the end of service. Not let's not wait till next week. Let's go pray right now. And the Lord touched her again. So sometimes you have to continually pray to the Lord and make sure that that healing virtue continues to flow in you. So what you hate or what annoys you, what bothers you, I know Pastor Charlie used to tell me all the time, we need a work work crew to come in here. Start doing some things around the church. I go, yeah, I agree with you, but let's hire somebody. (laughs) So we hired a painter, amen? We hired a a cement guy. But we had an air conditioning problem, where it was leaking in upstairs. And so I asked Pastor Charlie, and he said, oh, yeah, I, I, I'll go there. He tore off all the, the panels that were up there, found the leak, patched the leak, didn't stop there, patched all the other ducts, the air conditioning ducts. So you go up there, there's black stuff all over the place. And I go, and he's happy because he solved it. But what annoys you is the thing that God has called you to take care of. Praise God. So in conclusion... In conclusion, the thing that God has put in your heart, you, you gravitate to. You, you want to do it. You love it. You'll spend time with it. And then God will order your steps. Order your steps in the sight of the Lord. You have a plan, but God works the plan in your heart. Amen? So you don't have to worry about, am I going the right way? Go with what God has put in your heart to do. And as you do that, He'll guide and direct you. I know uh, I was telling our LPU students... I'm old now. I can look back and say, oh, I see where the Lord was taking me. I see how God was using those situations and circumstances to get me to the place where I'm going to be. Like my son, he was working in St. Louis in the court system there, the Supreme Court system there. And uh, he said, Dad, I just don't like it here. I don't like the the people in St. Louis. I want to leave. I go, you can't leave. You have a commitment. Stay there. You never know what the Lord is going to do in your life. And so he came back to L.A., and he applied for a job that their home office was, uh, their court system went right through St. Louis. And so he said, you know what? We need to, they said, we need to hire this guy because he gives us the inside track. And he, 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 he uh, w- went to the top of the, the list because of that one requirement. So you never know how God's going to use you and where you're at. Amen? So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to worship you and to trust in you that what you have called us to do, Lord God, that you're able also to uh, minister to us and be with us and show us the way that you have called us to go. We thank you, Lord God, that we trust in you, that what you have put in our hearts, that, Lord, you're able also to see a way to make our gift make room for us. And so for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And all agreed said, amen.